1: demigods and half-bloods welcome inside comic book nations riptide radio your percy jackson after show and today we are dealing with all things percy jackson episode three the episode with medusa i am not alone on this quest i am comicbook.com's liam crowley joined alongside by miss nicole drum nicole Kion, the goddess of the snow tried to stop you from being here but you persevered i'm so happy to see you how was your christmas
0: my christmas is great how was yours
1: it was lovely. And I was looking forward to this the entire Christmas day because I knew we were getting Percy Jackson on the twenty-sixth. Yes. And I was like, that is the real present under the tree. And a big present we have for you guys who are listening in. We have two brief interviews from the blue carpet, uh, the Percy Jackson premiere a couple weeks ago with Tim Sharp, the actor who plays Gabe Ugliano, as well as Jessica Parker Kennedy, who plays Medusa herself. We're gonna weave those in when appropriate. But Nicole, I feel like we should just get started. Percy Jackson episode three you all just watched it we're in prime time now baby we're actually watching this live with everyone else Nicole your initial thoughts coming off of Percy Jackson episode three how did this compare to the premiere
0: I feel like I'm gonna say this like every episode like I'm gonna be a broken record but like this might be my favorite episode to date thus far I I think it also might be the episode that I was looking most forward to because we're building on the stakes that were set. But it's also the episode that we get Medusa. And so for me, I, I was I was very excited for this episode and it did not disappoint. I think everything in this was just layered and rich and interesting. And I really, uh, the show just keeps getting better episode to episode, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I don't know if this is my favorite episode bar none. I really like Capture the Flag and everything we got in episode mm-hmm. two. But I thought this episode was a giant test for this show. And I say yes. that because- it's standing on the shoulders of three very young leads. And I believe I mentioned this last week. A big test for them was going to be not sharing the screen with a veteran actor. So far, we've mm-hmm. had our Jason Manzukas,es We've had our Glenn Termans, uh, We've had our, our uh, Megan Mullally's that they've had the opportunity to share the screen with. Now, they're just relying on each other. And I thought there mm-hmm. were some moments where it felt like we were kind of tiptoeing into that but there are also other moments where it was very clear that they've gotten very comfortable with each other we're developing that chemistry we're developing that bond and i know we just kind of like tiptoed around like spoiler free territory i feel like it's time to discuss this episode in full in-depth detail you're all joining us after watching it so i feel like it's fair to say spoiler warning here and now but just in case spoiler warning uh we're not going to go chronologically uh, in terms of reviewing this episode, but one thing we do have to start out with is the first thing that happens. And that is the delivery of our first ever prophecy. Our first ever prophecy in Percy Jackson and the Olympians in live action form on Disney Plus. And Mr. Tim Sharp as Gabe Agliano delivered it. And he actually spoke to me about delivering the first ever prophecy and feeling that responsibility on the blue carpet. Check out what he had to say. You deliver the first prophecy in this. I'm getting goosebumps just saying that out loud. You deliver the first prophecy in this series. If if everything goes well, we're going to hear many more. And you were the first one. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that day on set of
2: reciting those lines. Well. So they did something um, that I've never had done to me on this show, where they they put me in this like chamber with all of these cameras to do like these 3D renderings of my entire body. I had to do all these different facial expressions for that scene, so that they could, so that I could, I guess, come out of the uh, the Oracle. Oracle's mouth or something. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, then on set that day. I was actually there doing it, and we did it a few different ways. I'm very curious to see which way that they chose. Um, I said the lines very monotone, like, you know, somebody was, you know, animating my body. I also did, I think, a version where I did it very Gabe Ugliano. I, I can't remember what I say in the prophecy, but I did it very Gabe, and I don't think they went with that one, but that was a fun, it was fun. They let me have a lot of fun with it, do different options.
1: And so, Nicole, I wanted to ask you, the the delivery, not just of the Prophecy, but the VFX, the green smoke, the Oracle herself, uh, was that how you pictured it on the page and did it execute well on screen?
0: It Actually, I feel like it looked a little bit different than how I imagined it, but I like how it looked on screen better than what I could have imagined because it was just a little creepier is the wrong term but it was a little creepier on some level like it felt a little more serious I was just like okay um I'm a little scared for him right now (laughs) especially it it felt like it had more gravity the way it was presented I feel like I really like the VFX I feel like the show is just killing it with this VFX on a lot of levels I really do and this this scene was no exception for me
1: and what I found interesting about the VFX is my initial gut reaction to this was like uh, I didn't really like it was a little kind of cheesy for me and the way that they executed uh, Gabe being like within the green mist. But the second time I watched it, I just embraced it as like this is like how it would look in like the early 2000s and like an mm-hmm. awesome nostalgic kind of way. And I feel like this wasn't a situation of the VFX budget. They didn't want to attribute a ton to making this looks hyper realistic. I feel like they were going for that kind of like retro nostalgic mm-hmm. feel. And i'm curious to see as the future prophecies come in in later seasons if we look back on yeah. this with rose-tinted glasses or if we look back on this and go oh wow they did have to evolve it a bit but still i i enjoyed how they executed it
0: i also have to wonder how much of that was also what would be a weird and disconcerting moment for a young person who's never experienced a prophecy before because that would be it that weird kind of because that's for me that's how i write it I write it as kind of creepy and a little weird I feel like the way it was presented is because that's the first time, obviously it's the first time he's getting a prophecy. So that's a disorienting moment for the character. So maybe that's why it looks that way. You're right. Maybe a few seasons down the road, the later prophecies we get will look very different for different reasons.
1: Yeah. And something I love what they do here is again, we're talking about the luxuries of adapting something that's on the page versus screen. Something can be great on the page and not work well on screen. Something can look visually stunning on screen Mm -hmm. and not translate well to written words. What I loved what they did here is in the book, every time we get a prophecy, we see the full thing right before our very eyes. We reread a prophecy in full. Here, though, they broke it up and they waited to deliver the second half of the prophecy. Uh, you will be betrayed by the one by one who you call friends, <coughs> having that conversation with Grover. And I love that they made that decision because that is a way to give us Percy's inner monologue without having to without having him actually monologue on screen. Yes. I say that in the sense of like. It's clear what he's thinking there is like, okay, keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. I think I can trust Grover, but he did kind of backstab me at Yancey Academy. And I mm-hmm. saw what he was, where he was coming from later on, but still I'm tiptoeing. And the fact that he chose him to come on this quest, but we then get his memory of that line in the prophecy yes. that just, it gave me chills just thinking about it. Cause I'm like, okay, this Percy kid, he might be new to this world, but he's still
0: thinking two steps mm-hmm. ahead absolutely it ties together so beautifully all those little pieces too it really does
1: yeah and i love too the way that we select grover and annabeth for this quest because in the lightning thief it's been a minute since i've I've read the book but i believe it was kind of like they were always going to be grouped together uh but Mm -hmm. i love the idea of like no annabeth is with me right away grover i'm going to go to him personally and also let him know that he's with me but maybe that's because i can't necessarily trust him and that's another topic we have to dive into throughout Mm -hmm. this episode percy's relationships in general with Grover, with Annabeth, and with Luke. Uh, let's start with Luke, because that's the one we spend the least amount of time with, but we arguably get some of the biggest depth with because of just the <laughs> conversations they have. He admits <coughs> to Luke. He admits to him straight up. He thought about choosing him over Grover. When you hear that moment, and he's sharing it personally with Luke, what's going through your head as someone who knows these books inside and out?
0: Part of me wants to know what the reality is like if he, if he had chosen him. Like- i i, I want to know what that what direction that would go if i, I get keep in mind i love we're getting the books as they are and the thing, but i But that part of me is like oh i i know your story and i really wish i knew what the reality looked like if he'd chosen you for this quest but also i just love i love how heartfelt their friendship is even this early on like i just it warms my heart and then he gives him the shoes and it's it's just the sweet moment and just that's probably the most heartwarming, and in, in, if you if you're familiar, it was also heartbreaking on some level as well. It just, I just, I, I I love those actors, and they just put so much into that scene that just felt so beautiful. And yeah, part of me is like, I really wish we lived in a reality where I could see that version of the quest.
1: The bond is real. They're brothers for it life. It no, I, I brothers for life. I don't, I don't see them ever separating, ever going their separate ways. Uh, I, I I. joke in that sense, but also, like, it makes the second half of the season so intriguing for me because mm-hmm. Charlie Bushnell right now is playing such a believable friend. He's playing yes. such a believable mentor figure to Percy. Like, him giving him the shoes and, and, and Maya and everything and being like, they're a gift for my dad and I'm trusting you with them. I'm I'm buying in. I'm getting gaslit right uh-huh. now, Nicole. And I've read all I of know. Books. I know where this story is going. <laughs> I know. Um, and that's,
0: that's where the heartbreak comes in. Right.
1: The heartbreak heartbreak is is slowly setting in, but something that is slowly setting in in the opposite direction, the love that's forming between Percy and Annabeth. Yes. It's very subtle, it's very small, and right now they're very much on complete opposite ends of the spectrum but I love some moments that we get between them throughout this episode. Uh, That's when Mm -hmm. Annabeth and Percy are first arguing about, you know, going on this quest, having to escape Mrs. Dodds, the bus crashes and all that. And she drops that line of Grover was my protector first. You don't have Mm -hmm. ownership over him necessarily. Uh, They have an outburst over, Percy wanting to ask uh, Camp for help. And then when she says no, he says, why don't we ask Athena for help? And when she says, I can't ask Athena, she starts pushing a little bit, kind of trying to question her relationship with her mother, which I thought was like, damn, Percy, we're pushing buttons here. Uh, Annabeth herself pushing Percy, being like, Mm -hmm. you have to understand that you're not just anybody, you're somebody. You're not just any demigod. You killed the Minotaur. She's, She's trying to push him to realize his full potential and the one last quote i have here uh, is at the very end of the episode when they're going to freeze mrs dodds into stone with medusa's head she says make sure the head's pointing in the right direction which you know in a fight or flight scenario she just showed her true colors she cares about this percy jackson fellow Mm -hmm. and uh, i thought that was pretty heartwarming a nice little tease of how that relationship uh, relationship is going to blossom (laughs)
0: I also just love the line delivery of that line it was just just so perfectly the tonal perfection just I love the line delivery I'm not gonna lie I did laugh at that line because it just was it, it's one of those things that you're like oh yeah you do what the pointing in the right direction I thought and her delivery was just so good it really was
1: and how do we feel about just like the the progress we're making on this related because everyone on social media right now is like counting down the days until Annabeth calls Percy seaweed brain and Percy calls Annabeth <laughs> the wise girl. Everyone is like freaking out of like we got to get to the to the not the finish line but we got to get to a checkpoint sooner than later. And I've said this. I said this on uh, another podcast about Percy Jackson recently. Exposition is a good thing. We got yes. to take our time uh, getting to these places. Uh, and I like where the relationship is at right now. D- does it have time, obviously, to reach those those big checkpoints? For sure. But for now, I, I think it's in a good place. And I mm-hmm. feel like it's easy to forget. If we're on episode three right now of what could be 40 episodes yes. in this whole series... Important to realize, like, we'll get there, we'll get there eventually.
0: Yeah, I think we're all just starving for it. We just want it now, but no, I think it's pacing nicely. We're building towards it, it's the reward is going to be worth it.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk about the last relationship that Percy's kind of developing in this episode, and that's the one with Grover. I kind of said it a little bit at the beginning the whole wondering if he's gonna trust him or not is he bringing him along just to kind of keep him close? How do you feel about Percy and Grover's relationship? This is the most tense I've ever seen it depicted in live action it's not even yeah. tense per se but like on the books on the page i never once got the idea that yeah like no grover and percy don't see eye to eye and for now it feels like percy's kind of keeping him on a tight leash because he doesn't necessarily fully trust him
0: i feel bad for grover in this like you you feel you get again on the page you don't really feel it but you really feel like he is being like in the most uncomfortable and awkward situation possible you know he finds out that you know not the first choice not really trusted and all this is going on i i genuinely felt bad for grover which i don't think i've ever really felt bad for grover before like this and i just i don't know i, I like how they're approaching it because it on, on, a, on a certain level it shows the characters at their maturity level and where they're at um which i think is really interesting because it's sometimes easy to lose sight of considering how talented the actors are and how well written the books are as as a grown-up who has read the books, I think it's sometimes easy to forget that these are kids. And the, seeing these kind of, like, uncertain feelings, these kids in this this very adult situation, there's, there's some raw feelings there. And I just felt so bad for Grover in that I felt bad for Grover for a couple of things in this episode, but um, specifically that, like, especially when he's clearly got his own demons that he's dealing with, the things he's failed at, the choices he's had to make, and things that haven't quite gone that way. You just... And then of course him trying to like keep the peace and keep everything, I just feel bad for him. And I really like how they did it because I think it adds a layer of depth to it and makes this a more interesting version of the group going forward on this quest. It's gonna make the quest more interesting too.
1: And what i i love what you said there about how it, you feel bad for grover and it's also important to remember that grover is his own character he's not a sidekick mm-hmm. he's not just a supporting player sure he's he's a cert protector protector i almost said searcher, protector. like uh harry potter uh <laughs> speaker i i'm i'm mixing everything up either wrong grover, job. Wrong, wrong fandom <laughs> grover is a protector And it's easy to forget that he also has his own mission uh, within that, which if you know the books, uh, it's finding Pan and, and, you know, bringing back, you know, sanctity to the wild and all that. And what I love too, is that it's Aryan Samhadri who plays Grover, understands all this he knows that Grover's his own character uh we spoke at the la press junket for percy jackson and i asked him about the elements of Grover's backstory that we're not necessarily exploring on screen uh but we're kind of filling in with like hints of lines of dialogue we see in this episode with uncle ferdinand uh and he gave me a great response check it out Aryan, uh with Grover what i find so fascinating about that character is there's so much implied backstory the mm-hmm. council of cloven elders uncle ferdinand mm-hmm. at auntie m's How much of that are you filling in in your head and how much of that are you just kind of like let's plant a seed here maybe water in future seasons
0: yeah that's a good question Um, again like Leah mentioned Andrew our acting coach Mm -hmm. he did a huge deep dive of the books he scoured it like we all did when we started and Uncle Ferdinand was like a huge part of of, like for Grover in the books Mm -hmm. and getting to bring that to life like getting to give Grover his moment because you know I've said this before but It's easy to forget that Grover is, like, his own guy. He's not just a mediator. Mm -hmm. He's not just a protector. He's going through his own stuff. He has so much to prove after, you know, Thali and all that, that just getting to, I guess, like, do him justice felt really good.
1: And a big thing that makes these relationships that Percy is having so tense Is the various ultimatums we get Mm -hmm. throughout this episode i believe there are just two but they're two very big ones the first one comes when mrs dodds shows up randomly on the bus that they're on there she's stalking these kids she's an agent of (laughs) hades she's not questioning why he needs percy but she's just gonna bring him in no questions asked and annabeth with her yankees cap on is having a little conversation while she's invisible and mrs dodds offers the ultimatum you give me percy i'll let you go fulfill your quest on your own which again Two birds, one stone. They don't necessarily need Percy to complete the quest. They have their own mission. And Annabeth has always wanted to not just go on a quest, but fulfill a quest, bring that glory to Camp Half-Blood. And she declines. And then later in the episode, Medusa gives a similar ultimatum to Percy, where she acknowledges that, listen, this quest, you want to retrieve Zeus's master bolt? That's not your main objective. You really want to save your mother. And these two could get in your way. I could take care of them. I could make them statues just like that. You say the word, Mm -hmm. I'll make it happen. And Percy declines. It shows that there is some empathy developing within this trio, and it shows that they are no longer just soldiers of Camp Half Blood, married to their mission. Uh, it makes me think of the, the the new movie that came out on Netflix, The Killer, with Michael Fassbender. Oh yeah. Does, uh, don't know. Don't an- Don't anticipate. Uh, anticipate. Don't improvise. They're not like that. They they very much have real feelings. They care for each other, uh, and I thought these ultimatums were a great way to showcase the so mm-hmm. slow and subtle bond uh, these three are forming.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also think it's interesting to note that like specifically with Annabeth and hers, I think on some level, and again, this is just my, my thinking about it, is that she's already been through the loss of someone. And I think for her this, hey, I'll trade you. Probably on some level, it's like no, I don't want to lose anyone else. Like I could, I, I have to redeem myself. Maybe this is probably something she's thinking. I mean, she is a child of Athena, of course, she's got to be thinking of. There's a right way to do things, and I, I kind of felt like maybe that was part of her her thought process in that. And then with Percy, I just kept thinking about like that entire sequence when she's talking, getting an ultimatum. I thought about that moment of him and his mom in the in the museum, and it just to me that whole moment just spoke of the good person his mom is and how that has reflected on him and that he is not going to sacrifice other people just for this because she always tells him, you know, not all, not all heroes are heroes kind of thing. And I think that might've been weighing in his mind a little bit specifically since it's coming from the woman whose head was being held in that statue. That's a
1: really good point. Yeah. We get this kind of full circle. And I'm glad you brought up that head in the statue because that is the main event of this episode. The woman we've been waiting to see Auntie yes. and herself, medusa in the gnome emporium it leapt from page to screen uh, i didn't right <laughs> it on social media earlier today that little auntie M's, uh plaque outside of, of the gnome emporium seeing little things like that i'm like this is the coolest thing ever because this came from this guy's mind and yes. now it was just like in front of our eyes in live action the first thing i want to ask you nicole uh something i asked jessica parker kennedy on the blue carpet medusa's look in this episode we knew what it was going to be going in because we saw her in the trailer she got her own character poster she was showcased at new york comic con but still seeing it in live action visually moving around getting kind of her her whole aesthetic down not what we were expecting Uh, sunglasses and like hair tied up no this is like dripped out 1920s 30s 40s Mm -hmm. all melded into one medusa when she walked on screen What, what, what what did you feel
0: I oh my god, I I loved it. Like I, I part of me was just like, I know she's bad news. I want to be her friend. <laughs> like I loved everything about what they did. The 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 way that the hat and like the the very sleek, you you all she almost tricks you into believing that she's harmless and that she's just been maligned. And I have I want to give a shout out to the VFX and those snakes because those snakes, like we have seen different iterations of Medusa across different media, not like in, like the Percy Jackson Medusa, but just Medusa in general. And snake hair is hard to get and make it look cool. Like not scary, but cool. The VFX on those snakes is so good. Like I just loved how subtle they were, just little subtle movement. I was just like, oh my God, she would have me turn to stone so fast because she was just so cool. And like her entire look inside of her house she kind of reminded me of like some like eccentric old lady and, like lives alone in one of those like noir movies where you know the unsuspecting gentleman comes and is trapped forever like I, did, the, I loved that vibe it just was so jarring comparatively but it worked so perfectly for this yeah. even though I had questions like why would she be cooking dressed like that but that's neither here nor there she's Medusa she does what she wants And and,
1: and the spread she had, too. All those snacks just before cheeseburgers. I was like, that is a meal in and of itself already. Seriously. I, I, I love that you love Medusa's look because someone who also loved Medusa's look is the actress who played her, Jessica Parker Kennedy. She was raving about her fit on the blue carpet. Check it out. And, uh, Medusa is dripped out in this show. A very different look than uh, what we've seen in graphic novels and prior movies. Uh, just talk to me about when you first saw the character design for Medusa. I freaked out. She was the coolest. I was like, I can't play this. I'm not that cool. She's, um, it, yeah, it's a very, like, 30s, 40s kind of, like vibe to her i'm a 20s too i don't know is it 20s is it 30s is it 40s it's all of them combined um like her very long red nails and red lip and she's you know very still very still and um there's something about her that um i don't know made me very intimidated and afraid of her but also i wanted to like hear her story and give her a big hug you know and another thing i really love about her portrayal of medusa not even just her physical appearance is the way that she talks Because this is a reoccurring theme we're seeing with characters with a lot of lived-in history in this show. Uh, Chiron says, uh, I believe, someone speaks about Chiron in one of the first two episodes, second episode, and they mention how he's been a warrior for centuries. This is a character that it could be so easy for him to be playing cards with mr d and being like oh we used to do this all the time i've beat Mm -hmm. you i'm i'm 200 wins and and only 20 losses and blah 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 we've had so much history but they don't tell they show right they show medusa did a great job uh jessica parker kennedy as medusa did a fantastic job this episode of showing her history little like (laughs) teases here and there of like calls calls him the son of Poseidon. and he points it out like how did you already know word travels fast that gets the gears in my head turning of mm-hmm. how much else does she know how much else has yep. she taken in so quickly uh over time so shout out what jessica parker kennedy was able to do uh with this role i love the look i love her eyes i love how we kind of get the jaws effect too with her snake hair we don't really yes. see it it's just kind of implied there and the tension is all building up a lot thanks to her dialogue a lot thanks to her physical presence but something we have to absolutely shut out bear mccreary's theme yes oh i'm i'm scared right now just talking i shouldn't have brought it up nicole i'm scared i'm scared (laughs) it it was so eerie it like Mm -hmm. gave me like some sort of like 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 uh r&b blues winter soldier vibe Mm -hmm. that sounds so strange but i someone will understand what i mean by that
0: i didn't know exactly what you mean by that when i heard i'm like i want that as a ringtone
1: it's scary I it's was very like, scary. It's, it sold me for sure. It sold me for sure. Um, one thing I did want to bring up with Medusa, and this is my biggest complaint of the episode because I thought it was just awkward. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Dodds is still pursuing uh, yes. Percy and the crew. And we get to Auntie M's. And again, I mentioned this last week. Monsters, CGI monsters in broad daylight is never going to work that well. It's You're mm-hmm. always going to kind of see through the mist, so to speak. And when she is just like, Waiting outside, I thought that blocking was like a very odd. Yeah,
0: like it was just really
1: weird. Medusa peeks out the curtain, and Mrs. Dodge is just like standing there, just like waiting, like like plucking her wings into the pavement. And I was just like, "That I don't fear you anymore." When you're just kind of like waiting around, did that also kind of irk
0: you? Yeah, I'm just like, you look like kind of a boring chicken. Like (laughs) I'm not, I'm not scared of you anymore. Like I feel like I could throw a rock at you and just take you out. Like any scare that she had or potentially should have had that blocking just was weird it's like you're supposed to be scary
1: i'm not scared of you well it's a good thing that medusa made up for it because she was terrifying and eventually absolutely when you, when we get down to Maybe the basement, like too, for one scary lady i don't know more than enough for me I, I actually i don't know if i could have taken a second one if Mrs. <laughs> is actually scary this episode might have been a pg-13 one for me uh we get down to the basement and this is when the the horror kind of yes. heightens up to an, another level because again show don't tell we just get that basement that <sighs> wide depth shot of all of her victims of the past and it sends shivers down my spine and also too because we get the revelation of later mm-hmm. uncle ferdinand was one ferdinand. of them someone that grover knows shout out Aryan Samhadri for acting his butt off in that scene because the amount of implied history he sold with just his facial expression was leagues beyond what yeah. any three minutes of exposition would do. Uh, I wanted to bring up to you, obviously, the big ending sequence of how Medusa meets <laughs> her fate. Yes. How impressed were you with how they were able to pg the decapitation? <sighs>
0: I was pretty impressed with that. I was considering that the basement was definitely like, I felt like I was walking into a horror movie considering we were going into the creepy basement. I'm like, how are they gonna pull this off and make it kid friendly? Oh wow, they did a good job with that. Like I was really concerned about that moment because that's a full on beheading folks. Like that's not that's not kid safe. Like I, I have a seven year old who's who like is obsessed with Percy Jackson. I'm like, huh? was this safe for my boy to watch? Yes, yes it is. Good job.
1: It was very clever. It was great use again of, of taking these simple objects, these simple magical objects mm-hmm. and, and bringing a new meaning to them. Uh the Yankees cap is something that I feel like there's a lot of ingenuity they can have with this yes. throughout the entire series, let alone just this season, and I thought this was a brilliant way to kind of so smart. Use it for for more than just turning invisible um obviously we mentioned earlier mrs dodds turns to stone i guess she won't be a problem anymore but you know these these furies have escaped before so we shall see what happens but again that's two for two mrs dodds taking one stabbing from riptide done back to the underworld so now this time takes one look at medusa turn to stone maybe back to the underworld not really sure how that works again these furies aren't scaring me these are these are sea level villains the, the, the yeah, real horror not, they're, is, is, they're is medusa here uh, and she only lost because, you know, invisibility cap. That was a little yep. you know, they got a weapon from under the ring to make a wrestling comparison. The referee just wasn't looking. So exactly. who knows? Maybe maybe she'll come back in a later season, but where she is now is Mount Olympus, Nicole. This was a big change from the books. That was um, a
0: huge change in
1: in, in the lightning thief uh, as as readers will know, a little spoiler <laughs> territory for those who haven't read the book uh medusa's head is brought back to the apartment that gabe and Mm -hmm. sally reside in and gabe uh kind of shares a look with medusa and we never hear from gabe again who knows what happened to him goodbye earl um (laughs) but instead this time they decide to package up medusa's head send it off to olympus via a little thing called hermes express Mm -hmm. and we get this like ups guy going up uh the empire state building he goes to the 600th floor and the camera pans up and it's lynn manuel miranda Miranda. himself delivering medusa's head to mount olympus uh seeing lynn as as hermes for the first time meeting another god that's going through your head
0: I did a little dancy dance. I was so excited. Like I'm like, I know he's in this. When are we gonna get him? When are we gonna get him? How are we gonna do it? They they threw me the curveball by making this giant change, and then when that pulls back and we see it's him, I was just like, "There's a reason I love this episode so much." Here we are, this moment. It was it was just the considering how creepy Medusa was, and then we get this very lighthearted. Kind of, it, to me, it felt lighthearted. Maybe I'm just weird but little manuel miranda with the head in the box going on up i'm just oh i love it i love it i love it we got Hermes. i love it
1: and it did a great tv trick too of the elevator door opens and the light yes. kind of comes in and we know olympus is on the other side and i'm like yes. turn the camera i want to see it i was so desperate to see olympus but again good things come to those who wait we've seen it we've seen it in the trailer we're, we're going there at least by episode eight maybe sooner who knows Um, but I'm glad that they're teasing it now because it gets people like me who are already invested in the series are are, are along for the five week ride to get excited about where we're going. And I think it's going to rub off on new viewers who are like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'll try out this Percy Jackson show. Whoa. Olympus is coming into play. Let's, let's stick around and see how that goes. Another thing I want to bring up about Hermes ending this episode, technically, technically speaking, Luke and Hermes were in the same episode of Percy Jackson. They didn't meet. We didn't see them interact face to face. Just that knowledge that on the credits of this episode, Charlie Bushnell and Lynn Manuel Miranda are both listed. Mm-hmm. I want season five right now, Nicole. I'm um, like, I told you how patience is a virtue earlier and how it's an <laughs> exhibition. But stuff like this gets me so impatient because, man, when they link up, I believe it's Last Olympian. I believe it's like a. A dream sequence a cabin and all mm-hmm. that it's my it's my favorite scene in books ever and i ah the idea of that coming in live action uh is so tantalizing to me i can't wait till we get there but uh we'll have to wait and see because next week wait. we're heading to st louis and we're getting yes! another of all monsters echidna played by the one the only suzanne crier going into next week nicole how you feeling? Where do you think the momentum is right now? Does Percy Jackson need to do anything at its technically mid-season finale to up the momentum, or do you think momentum is strong right now?
0: I think momentum is strong right now, and I am really looking forward to next week because I literally just drove through St. Louis, and while I was driving through St. Louis, I was thinking about next week's episode already. So I was just like, "I'm driving through St. Louis, Percy Jackson time." So no, I think the momentum is really good. I think the show is doing a really good job. Of building, but also giving us just enough to make us want to keep going. Like you said, with the the, we didn't get to see what's going on on the other side of the light. We know Olympus is back there. We know more stuff is coming. I think right now the pacing and the momentum is very, very good. My only real complaint is like I want like you, I I want more. I'm like I'm a little greedy. I want some more stuff. But again, patience is a virtue. Remain chill. We'll get there. But I think right now is getting close to the mid season finale type of situation. I think we're i think we're in a good place i'm really i'm really excited for next week i really am
1: yeah man i'm very happy also that so many great moments have happened so far but the reality is the best is yet to come like i don't, I don't oh, yeah. say that to hype up this show too much the underworld mount olympus mm-hmm. we haven't even met Ares yet we haven't met poseidon or or zeus uh we haven't gotten to the the finale we haven't returned to camp half-blood there are yeah so many, we haven't got I, I don't know if it's going to happen but there's a there's a drachma conversation between percy and luke in the lightning thief if i'm not mistaken like he checks. i in. believe so you get a little like they're they're conversing oh iris message it's coming back to me there's an iris message conversation that's it communicate through the water uh and he's like checking in how the shoes treating you the, this and that and that uh there's a lot to look forward to um and it's so funny because the first time i watched this episode there were some moments where i was like ah eh, A little corny, a little cheesy. Not sure if I like that. And then I rewatch it and I'm picking out all the details with my mind on to discuss them. And I get even more excited. And the fact that this show Mm. for me so far is three for three, where the rewatch is better than the original watch. Yep. Has me over the moon excited and also it's clear that the rewatch is better than the original watch for most people too because this mm-hmm. thing set the disney record for the top disney branded television premiere in disney's history 13 Whoa. million views across hulu and disney plus it did have that added bonus of going out on hulu for right. the first episodes however still first first episode i think either way the yeah. premiere totaled 13.3 million views across disney's streaming platforms which makes it the biggest disney branded television (sighs) premiere of all time and that just spells really good news uh, for the future of Percy Jackson and for the future of this season. So I'm so glad everyone's along for the ride. Uh, I'm so glad that you're along for the ride, Nicole. I'm oh, happy yeah. to be talking about this show with you. Happy to be on these mics. Before we officially get out of here, though, uh, we just want to thank everyone for listening, for watching, however you consumed Riptide Radio. We appreciate you being here. But in order to keep the show going, in order to make sure we're able to do this for many, many more seasons to come, you got to like, you got to comment, you got to subscribe. So please do all three of those things before you officially get out of here. Nicole. Thank you again for making the trek to be here. Uh, Like if I could stand up right now, I would give her a (laughs) round of applause. She went through the underworlds, through Tartarus here Uh, and, and we made it, we made it happen. So Nicole, uh, if you have anything you're working on at comicbook.com, feel free to shout it out. Uh, but if you also just want to spread the love and holiday cheer, I... I, I,
0: I have you. nothing I want to share, but last time I told you all to read the books and I discovered something that I was unaware of over the holidays. There are graphic novel versions of the books. Um, Get them. Read them. They're precious. And, I, and of course, of course, Liam has one literally handy. Oh, Mine is in my just, kid's stuff. I
1: have oh, He's got them all. Them all. Look at that. Look at that stack. CMO. And, and have, you will...
0: Pre- that's amazing. You will appreciate this.
1: Lost Hero. Oh,
0: Son my gosh. Of
1: Neptune, Mark of Athena. Everything, Nicole.
0: Everything. Oh, my. You will appreciate this. We we took a pit stop Um, just because you got to stretch your legs when you're going through Tartarus. You have to. You have to. Of course. Um, and we stopped at a bookstore, and they were dang near sold out of all things Percy Jackson. So... Y'all go go buy the graphic novels. Go buy the regular books. Read them. Read them. The Any way you can real. they're amazing.
2: They will enhance
0: the your watching experience.
1: And while I have it here, I can't not show off the last Olympian graphic novel cover. <gasps> it is the greatest thing in comics history. It is oh, great. that is
0: so sick.
1: I need to get this blown up and put on my wall somewhere right now. I want my, that as a poster. Percy Jackson poster. Again. Thank you all for for watching. Thank you all for reading these books. Thank you all for supporting uh, Percy Jackson. Again, like, comment, subscribe. Share some love to Nicole on social media. Share some love with me on social media at Liam T. Crowley. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. All updates about the show uh, will be on all three of those platforms as well as at Comic Book Nation, mostly on Twitter. Uh, And for more interview clips as well from the cast, from the crew, from everyone involved in this show, uh, my Instagram at Liam T. Crowley uh, over on Instagram Reels or at Comic Book over on Instagram Reels as well. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back next week for episode four when we venture to St. Louis. We'll see you then.